Welcome to First Baptist Church of Augusta. We're so glad you could join us for worship this morning. Here at First Baptist, we are a church that lives out the greatest commandment of Jesus, which is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We believe that following the way of Jesus should make a difference in the world around us. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing at FBC Augusta today. Good morning, everybody. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, in just a moment, we are going to read verses 10 through 13. And we are beginning to land the plane on our series where we've been looking throughout this summer at the book of Philippians. And the idea behind the series has been that Jesus invites us to live with joy. Jesus invites us to live a particular way in the world that is filled with goodness and that the way of Christ is intended not just for life after death, but it is intended for life right now. And that's what the whole book of Philippians is about. And so if you missed anything so far, you can go to our website or download our podcast and we will continue on today. So it's right for us to begin by reading from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along, and if not, no worries. Uh, The words will be on the screen. Here's what Paul has to say. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. So, y'all, I don't know if you were paying attention to the news, but this week something really, really big happened, something important in the life of our, uh, our country. It happened this week, and I know what some of you were thinking. You were thinking immediately about the James Webb telescope. Guys, I don't know if you've seen the story about the James Webb telescope, but it was launched up. It's replacing the Hubble telescope, and the James Webb telescope was launched into space at the beginning, actually on Christmas Day of 2021, and what came in today or just this week are images from the James Webb telescope. And guys, this is the beginning of the formation of a galaxy. How incredible is this, right? That we have telescopes we can launch into space that give us images going back all the way to the beginning of the universe. This is an incredible thing, my friends. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the James Webb telescope and these photos that are being sent in, my mind immediately goes to the glory of God. And I know for so many people, they believe that science and faith are in contradiction to each other, uh, but that isn't the case. For me, I think that when we see science at its best, it shows us and points us to the glory and the grandeur of God. And so I know some of you were thinking that when I talk about the big thing that happened this week in the state of our country, I was talking about the James Webb Telescope. But I, in fact, am not talking about that. That's just a little side note. What I'm talking about, y'all, is Amazon Prime Day. Anybody, anybody, anybody take part in Amazon Prime? Don't clap yet, y'all, because it's about to get real. 
Has anybody, any, I, I'm not even going to ask because I know the majority of people in this room participated in Amazon Prime Day. If you're not familiar with what Amazon Prime Day is, it, it, uh, Prime, Amazon Prime is something you can buy into with Amazon. It's $139, and with that, you get special deals. You used to get two-day shipping. You get video content. You get all these things. And then once a year, Amazon has Prime Day where they offer these incredibly steep discounts on all these different products. And y'all, it becomes a bonanza of materialism and shopping throughout the course of our country in particular. And I went back and I looked at some of the statistics on Amazon Prime Day. And y'all, we bought 300 million things in two days. 300 million things in two days off of Amazon Prime. And what is even more shocking to me is not the 300 million things we purchased, but just Americans alone. Look at this. We spent $7.76 billion in two days this year alone. $7.76 billion on Prime Days. And look, I know that inflation is going through the roof right now, but apparently even inflation is not going to stop our spending patterns here in the United States. Amazon Prime Day was a big deal. And here's the thing, y'all, as I think about the $7.6 billion that we spend, as I think about the 300 million things that we purchase, for me, my mind immediately goes to the tradition that we all follow. If you're here in this room and you are a Christian, if you're here and you say that you're a follower of Jesus, then we follow a tradition that from our very earliest beginnings takes a pretty strong stance against this idea known as materialism. Back in the day, back in the Old Testament, they used to call it coveting. Coveting essentially means wanting those things that you do not have, and that's what materialism is based off of. And for us who, who claim that we are following in the way of Jesus, one of the things we have to realize is that materialism, if we're going to take our faith seriously, is in fact one of those things that is listed as a primary, and I know we don't like this word, but it's sin. And if sin is one of those things that keeps us from being who God created us to be, then we probably ought not to engage in those things, right? And so we got to talk about materialism today. And in my last church, this would happen on occasion, and actually it's happened here a few times too, where people will come to me and they'll say, Will, we want you to preach about sin more often. We want you to preach about sin. And here's the thing, y'all, this is really, this is going to shock you. But the sins they always want me to talk about are the ones that they're not doing. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, what I want to talk about today, materialism, is something that every single one of us, and take a deep breath right now because I'm not going to focus on just you, because the reality is materialism and the rampant consumption of stuff it is something that we all take part in. It is part of the air that we breathe in the culture here in America. And part of what we need to understand is that if we want to live with joy, then we have to realize that that way of seeing and participating in the world is not good for us. It will not lead to our thriving. It will not lead to us living a fullness of life. And so this morning, what I want to do is talk a little bit about the dangers of materialism. One of my favorite books in the Old Testament is a book called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes was written by a guy we don't know. A tradition says it was Solomon, but now we tend to think maybe it wasn't. And he never says that he's Solomon. He simply says, I am the teacher. It's a Hebrew word for Kohelet. Uh, so we tend to just call this guy the teacher. 
And this book of Ecclesiastes, it's a wisdom letter. And the basic idea behind it is this guy is going to share the experience of his life. Here are the things that I've done that went well. Here are the things that I've done that didn't go well. All in the hopes that we would read his words and put that information into practice in our lives. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's this section where Kohelet has this to say, that I enlarged, my, I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens for myself. And I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. Thus, I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted. And then this is where it gets really interesting. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun." At the beginning of this book of Ecclesiastes, what the author has to say to us is that I have pursued the accumulation of wealth. I have, accumed the, uh, the, uh, I have ac accumulated all of this stuff. And the reality is when I take a step back and I take an objective look at what it has gotten me, it is all worth nothing. Guys, that's just one of a thousand different examples. And our tradition says that if you want to live with joy, you have to be very careful about how we pursue the accumulation of stuff. And, and y'all, I mean, again, i got to come back to this for just a minute because I'm not attacking any one person. Because the reality is we live in a culture where we are marketed to on a daily, regular basis. We are constantly told that if you can just get more stuff, then you will be happy. If you can just take that trip, then you will be happy. If you can just eat that Wagyu A5 beef, then you will be happy, right? This is the lie that we are told every single day of our existence. And back in the day, marketing happened through mass media like, the, like uh, cable television. But now, y'all, we live in this space where marketing happens on an individual level, where through your social media feeds, marketing companies know the things that you are desiring and they tailor their products exactly and specifically to you and you alone. We are living in unprecedented times. And if we want to live with joy, then we really, really need to pay attention. I was reading a book not long ago, and there's a quote from an advertising executive from General Motors. The entire business of advertising is about the creation of dissatisfaction. That it's about the creation of dissatisfaction. And then he says this, that happiness is good for you but it is bad for business. Think about that for just a minute. Happiness is good for you, but it is bad for business. And the entire goal of the advertising industry is to create dissatisfaction with the things that you have and to create a desire inside of you to go and buy one of 300 million things at $7.76 billion. And I know this to be true on a very personal level. Because I, I play golf. You guys know I play golf. I talk about it pretty regularly. Since I've been here, I've started playing more golf. And recently, I decided to take the plunge, and I bought some new clubs. I bought some new irons, y'all. And I can't wait. I, I should have put a picture on them because can I, can I tell you something? They are beautiful. 
They are the P790s from TaylorMade. And I swear to you, I hit them a thousand yards straight down the middle every time. That is not true. But I have wanted those clubs and I've been really thinking about it and, and kind of going through the checklist. Am I going to get them? Am I not going to get them? And then I decide I'm going to. And I buy the clubs and they show up at my house one day. And I see, you, you guys all know this feeling, right? When you see the box sitting on your front porch and you're like, yes, they're finally here. And I open them up and each club is shrink wrapped and I take it apart and I look at it. Oh, I can't wait to go hit these. And I go and I hit them a few times and everything is good until yesterday. I kid you not, yesterday I'm sitting at home watching the British Open and on comes a television commercial that is showing me, guess what? New irons. <laughs> new irons. And all of a sudden, the ones that I have are not the newest and shiniest ones anymore. And I now need, I now got to start planning for the next irons that I'm going to get. Because happiness is good for me, but it's bad for business. And we are constantly being sold that the thing you have isn't good enough, that the thing you have won't lead to satisfaction and to happiness. There's a guy that I really love, Jonathan Sachs. He died last year. He's a rabbi from Great Britain. He was actually the chief rabbi of Great Britain for a number of years. He's an incredible uh, philosophical thinker and a wonderful guy. He wrote a book called Morality. And if you are interested in all, at all in how to live a good life, an upstanding life that is filled with goodness and love, I cannot recommend to you that book highly enough. Jonathan Sachs, Morality. And in a chapter called Consuming Happiness, that, that chapter alone is worth the price of admission, he reminds us of something incredibly important. Here's what he says. That a consumer society, in short, it encourages us to spend money we don't have on products we don't need for a happiness that won't last. Leave that up for just a moment because I want to read it again. A consumer society, in short, encourages us to spend money we don't have on products we don't need for a happiness that ultimately won't last. And I know when I first read those words, they spoke directly to my heart because it describes the state of the world in which we live. And it is true for me, and it is absolutely true for every single one of us. In a consumer society, we spend money on things, we, we spend money we don't have on things we don't need for a happiness that will not last. And that's why, friends, when we get to this section in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, it is incredibly important that we pay attention. Because in chapter 4, verse 10, Paul says, hey, I am celebrating, I'm giving thanks because you guys have remembered me. You've given me a gift. And here's, what the, here's the gift that they had given him. Because you've got to remember, Paul's writing this letter from prison. And prison in the first century, they did not give you food. You had, to, you had to rely on other people to send you money so that you could survive. And Paul is writing as he's winding down this letter, he's sending gratitude to them. And he is saying in chapter 4, 10 through 13, thank you because you sent me this gift and I am celebrating I'm celebrating because of how good you are. And then he's got this remarkable line where he said, but don't, don't, don't pretend, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Because I'm not, celebrating that, I'm not celebrating the money that you sent me. I'm celebrating the fact that you remembered me. And then he's got these remarkable words that just grab my attention. And I hope that they grab yours too, where he says, I'm celebrating because you remembered me. 
And here's the thing that I've learned, church, at Philippi. I've learned to be content in every situation. I've learned to be content with lack, and I've learned to be content with plenty. I've learned to be content when I have an abundance, and I've learned to be content when I have nothing at all. And when you read through Paul's letters, what you will find is that there are moments when he's surrounded by the goodness of this world, and there are other moments where he is being beaten, and he's alone, and he's totally down in the dumps. And what he says is that I have found the key to happiness with abundance or with lack. I found the key to how we can live with joy in the life that we live, in the existence that we have, and it has nothing to do with materialism. This is the thing that I think Paul understands, and this is the thing that I want us to understand, that if you want to live with joy in this world, this is the key, that stuff doesn't equal soul. This stuff does not equal soul. And you can live with joy even if you don't have the things that everyone else has. Matter of fact, I think it's more possible to live with joy when you understand that stuff doesn't equal soul. Paul understands that I'm not giving thanks to God for the gift you've given me. I've given thanks because you remembered me. And even if you didn't send any money at all, just the fact that you're praying for me and you're there for me, that's what means it all. Because stuff doesn't equal soul. Paul understood that because, listen to me, friends, this is one of the central things that Jesus talks about. When Jesus talks about people who are in danger of the fires of Gehenna, in other words, when he talks about people who are in danger of missing out on the eternal sort of life that Jesus offers to us, more often than not, who he talks about are rich people who are not generous with their stuff. More often than not, he is talking about people who are living in a, in a society of accumulation and, and just conspicuous consumption, and they do not care about other people. Paul understood that stuff doesn't equal soul because that's one of the primary things that Jesus talks about. And there's one story in particular that really just grabbed my attention as I was getting ready for this week. Because there are these guys who come to Jesus, and you can run it up. It's from Luke chapter 12. I just want to read the parable to you because the parable is, is incredibly important for us to understand. That there's someone, Luke chapter 12, here's what it says, that someone in the crowd comes to Jesus, and they said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he says this, watch out, be on guard against all kind of greed. And then this is the key phrase, because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And Jesus could have stopped there, but he didn't. He goes on to tell a parable. And this is the thing that I love about Jesus, y'all. Side note before I get into the parable. That oftentimes people will come to him with a question. They'll come to him with a request. And rather than simply answer it and go on about his business, then he says, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you asked a simple question, but let me tell you a story. Because the story has the ability to imprint on our heart in a way that we will not forget it. And so Jesus tells them this parable, that, that the ground of a certain rich man, it yielded an abundant harvest. And so the man thought to himself, what shall I do? 
I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich before God. You see, friends, listen to me, in a culture that is consumed with materialism and the consumption of things, we need to hear Jesus loud and clear that life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And that if you want to live with joy, if you want to live into the fullness of who God intends for you to be right here and right now, then it is absolutely essential that we understand that fact. But the good news for us is Jesus doesn't just point out what we aren't supposed to do. He provides for us a better platform, a better way forward. And immediately after that parable, he then turns his attention to this. And he says, life doesn't consist in the abundance of your possessions. Don't worry, Jesus says, about what you will eat. Don't worry about what you will drink. Don't worry about what you will wear. Because God will take care of all those things. Look at the birds of the field. Look at the flowers. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. Look at how good God has been to them. And if they matter that little to God, think about how much more God wants to take care of you. And then in this incredible line that I think is really the key, Jesus says this, Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be given to you. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of your possessions. And in a culture that is hell-bent on telling you that you will only be happy if you have the most stuff, we desperately need to hear Jesus telling us today that that is a lie. And the most important thing that we can do to live with joy is to understand that we order our priorities properly. Seek first, Jesus says, the kingdom of God, and everything else will be given to you. You see, guys, there's nothing wrong with me buying irons. There's nothing wrong with you buying something on Amazon. There's nothing wrong with you going out on an incredible vacation in and of itself. But part of what Jesus is teaching and part of what Paul understands is that if we are not careful, our priorities will fall out of alignment. And the stuff becomes more important than the soul. And the product becomes more valuable to us than Jesus. And the goal of the gospel is to seek first the kingdom of God and to properly align our hearts with the values of his kingdom. Paul said in that, in that section that I just read to you, I've learned to be content in abundance or in lack. I've learned to be content with little or with a lot. And then he has this incredible sentence, because I have strength for everything in the one who gives me power. I have strength in everything for the one who gives me power. 
He understands that if his heart is in alignment with Jesus, then he can have the stuff, and that's good. Or he can not have the stuff, and that's fine too. Because he properly understands his loves. Augustine, that great saint of the church, says, Our hearts are restless, O God, until they find their rest in you. And I know far too many people who spend their energy and their money and their lives accumulating stuff and believing that if they can just get the next big thing, then they will be happy. And what Jesus is teaching us today, what Paul desperately wants us to understand is that we can have strength through Jesus and Jesus alone. So here's the thing, y'all. We are all guilty of this. Every single one of us in this room, every single one of us who is watching online, it is the air that we breathe. Materialism is it. And so today is a day where I want us to live with joy. Jesus wants us to live with joy. And if we want to do that, then it requires us to sit down and take an inventory of our lives. It requires us to sit down and actually look at the things we possess. And so here's the challenge. Are you ready for this? I want you to sit down this week, maybe even do it this afternoon, and I want you to go and look at your stuff. Maybe actually physically hold it in your hands and take a look at it and ask yourself the question, what sort of feeling does this generate inside of me? What would it look like if I did not have this thing in my life? And if the pull is strong enough, you know what you need to do, right? Do you know what you need to do? Get rid of it. Get rid of it as quickly as you possibly can. So here's the question maybe that we need to wrestle with. What are you going to give away this week? What are you going to give away this week? Because the fact of the matter is, friends, we are living in a world that tells us that stuff equals soul, and that is a caricature of the gospel. And Jesus intends for us to have so much more. Jesus intends for us to have an abundant life, and it begins with the recognition that we can find contentment in abundance or in lack. Because our lives do not consist in the abundance of our stuff. But our lives consist in the love that Jesus Christ has given for us. So my brothers and sisters, may you look at the things you possess and understand that they do not possess you. May you look at the things you have purchased and understand that they do not give you happiness. May you look to Jesus and Jesus alone as we search for joy in this world. Friends, let's take a few moments now and let's pray together. God, we are grateful for another morning, for the opportunity to be here in this space. And and, and God, listen, as I prepared this message, it worked on my heart because it's an issue we all deal with. And so I know some of my friends here this morning, God, they're struggling. Others have simply shut their ears because they don't want to hear it. But God, the fact of the matter is that the materialism of our age can ruin our lives. And God, some of us today are right in the midst of the rat race and we are keeping up with the Joneses. And God, we are miserable. And today, Lord, speak a fresh word in our lives. Help us to take stock of our stuff and when necessary to get rid of it so that we might follow you well. God, help us to know that we can find joy in abundance or in lack when we seek first your kingdom. 
God, continue to work on our hearts this week and give us opportunities to follow you well. God, be with us now as we continue to worship. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope that you've experienced the presence of God and walk away empowered to make a difference in your community by sharing the love of Christ with those around you. We invite you to visit our website, find us on social media, or better yet, stop by one of our Sunday services, 9 a.m. for contemporary and 11 a.m. for traditional. Have an amazing week. See you next time.